Welcome to The Dispatch from Digital Frontier. One big story straight from our newsroom told in 15 minutes. Today we're asking what happened to carbon credits? Remember back in 2016, every time you booked a flight, you could tick the option to add £5 extra to feel better about yourself and save the planet. That money, the website said, will be given to tree planting projects, sucking up the same amount of carbon that your seat is burning through. And it wasn't just on flights. Big brands like Gucci, Nestle and Shell were investing heavily to offset their carbon emissions and showcase their eco-credentials. Carbon credits were big business on the drive to net zero. But then what happened? The carbon market was hit by greenwashing scandals. There was a series of investigations into how the credits were quantified, their volatile pricing, and then the industry was torn apart by the media. The carbon credit market is in desperate need of regeneration. But the green shoots have started to show. It's a market that's projected to be worth over 50 billion US dollars by 2030, and that's up from 2 billion US dollars in 2022. And it could be one of the best ways of tackling climate change if it can show its workings. Isabel Castro, Digital Frontier's future finance reporter, says high quality traceable carbon credits are key. People are very disillusioned, uh, especially with, with that report coming out and really kind of showing one of the main areas of focus, which was the red plus projects was producing credits that don't really make much of an impact on emissions. And I think that kind of disillusioned a lot of people, a lot of corporates pulled out of their kind of initiatives towards offsetting. And that's kind of created a snowball effect, I think, where people are really just not eager to trust them. And I mean, you talk to scientists as well, and even they are just, no, it doesn't make the impact that they say they do. They say that it could, But right now, the credits are not at the place that they need to be. And I think in order to make that change, the market is really going to have to focus on producing high quality, high integrity credits. Whenever you go to any kind of discussions on this subject, this is always kind of thrown out there, the kind of idea of high integrity, high quality credits, which actually can make a proven, durable impact. Personally, I think it's possible speaking to a lot of people in the space, a lot of people are sceptical. I mean, one of the things that someone said to me while I was researching was kind of, what is the alternative? I mean, we can wait for governments to make their decisions and really kind of push decarbonization plans and all that kind of stuff, but we don't have a lot of time. (laughs) And (laughs) uh, if we can do something from all angles, then it's worth it. That's my personal opinion. Um, But on the greenwashing angle, the whole industry really does need to kind of focus on the quality, I think, in order to regain the trust in the space. But how can we get big businesses to buy in again? In 2021, as the market was facing a revamp, blockchain got involved, seemingly offering more transparency and improved liquidity. This is Benoit Clement. He's the Director of Financial Innovation at Vera, the Carbon Credit Standards and Accreditation Agency. There's definitely more and more interest. I mean, we're continuing to see growth. We, we, you know, we have kind of hit a little bit of a, not quite a plateau, but, you know, we were kind of like rapidly accelerating on this hockey stick. There's a little bit of like a, a pause. 
uh, which I think is going to continue to be followed by more growth. But we do have to work out some kinks, both you know, in relationship to ensuring the integrity of carbon credits, but also creating more efficient systems, more transparency. So what's changed? I think we're starting to realize more harmony in our view uh, in, in, in all the different participants in these markets. I think we're, we're great. We're beginning to have a more shared view on how these systems should operate. And with that, we're beginning to see these standardizations um, helping in the establishment of baselines for quality, for integrity, for efficiencies. And so I think we're, we're, what's happening is we're starting to reach this like new stage of maturity that we need to reach. And then there's going to be more and more stages. We continue to have advancements, discover more errors and areas for opportunity to improve. And then we're going to hit, you know, another kind of like little slowdown. And then I think it's just going to kind of continue with this sort of like terrorist uh, growth. So there's, there's this growing shared understanding that we can't completely rely on compliance markets exclusively to try and reach our climate targets. Um, while that is like a huge part of our efforts globally, and it's super important and very helpful, there's still a lot of meaningful work and capital investment that can be put into uh avoiding deforestation of old growth forests or replanting uh, deforested areas. Um, There's still a lot of meaningful, helpful work that can take place in those areas. And there's a lot of um, desire for entities to be able to provide those capital flows into those kinds of projects for their, their CSR or their sustainability mandates. And I think we're just seeing a lot of this, this standardization starting to create this like new level of confidence. We're starting to see opportunities where technology can provide greater transparency on the performance of these projects. And I'd say those are probably like some of the biggest catalysts. We're also seeing that there's a lot of, there's more and more overlap that we're beginning to see between compliance and voluntary markets where some countries, um, in their regulations, they may permit for a certain percentage of a corporation's emissions to be offset by some carbon credits under uh, some of the voluntary carbon standards, such as ourselves, Vera, or Gold Standard, etc. There's this overlap with compliance markets is also enabling more investment to flow into voluntary carbon markets because there's greater utility now. Isabel asked Benoit whether he thought things were happening quickly enough. I think a lot of people share a lot of concern about our current trajectory and the speed in which things are evolving, which I think is very reasonable. We, we have the technology. We have, we have everything that we need um, from like a material standpoint we have the knowledge, we have the resources, we have the tools, we have the processes. Like we, we know and have everything we need to get the work done. The most difficult part is finding common agreements and coordination. And that's the part that really is 
incredibly contingent on human relationships. And that's the part that doesn't happen overnight. This desire for high quality carbon credits is one thing that is growing. A high quality credit is one that creates a traceable, tangible change in long term carbon levels in the atmosphere. A recent survey found that only 10% of credits across international projects met or exceeded standards for high quality set by Carbon Direct. Why is it that credits aren't meeting high standards? Some people say the long-term nature of initiatives like planting forests and the external factors that could have an impact mean the true impact is difficult to quantify. The other option, carbon removal, where carbon is taken from the atmosphere, is generally seen to be the most effective strategy, but it currently only makes up 3% of the total market. But is there a way of ensuring carbon credits can be high quality and traceable in their impact? Isabel Castro. The blockchain industry was coming up, it was getting into its hype era, uh, right around the time that kind of renewed interest had entered into the carbon market because of some changes that were kind of introduced and some plans that were introduced in COP, I think it was COP26. So they kind of coincided, they're two very kind of even though the carbon market's been around for a while, this was kind of a new iteration on how we were going to address the carbon problem. So there were two kind of edge technologies and kind of ways to solve climate change. So they kind of came together. There was a lot of crypto companies that wanted to do good. So they really kind of tried to put the blockchain technology into the carbon market and see if it could do something to make it better. For me, the main benefit of blockchain in the industry, in the carbon market, voluntary carbon market, sorry, I've got to say the voluntary carbon market because it's very different to the other carbon market. The main benefit of blockchain is the transparency angle and the fact that you can see the different transactions that have gone around the carbon credit because right now the carbon market is super opaque. It's really difficult to get a sense of what's going on, what emissions relate to what, what basically anything that's going on is really difficult to see. And the registries have kind of information, but once the carbon credit is out, it's difficult to see what's going on with it and how it's been divided and what emissions pertain to what. And so for me, the blockchain really could make a huge difference to that and really provide some much needed transparency in the space. What actually happened is a lot of people focused on the liquidity problem, which is also an issue in the carbon market, trying to get more liquidity, more funds to these kind of initiatives that are going to help reduce or get rid of some of the carbon in the atmosphere. And in the end, a lot of projects that had kind of been out of business for a while for various different reasons. They got a new lease of life, not necessarily for the good. And there was a lot of carbon credits which were really low quality that were brought on chain. And therefore, there was a lot of money going towards what investors thought were good causes, but actually they weren't ending up doing much good. 
Dave Folk is head of carbon markets at Toucan, a team of technologists and carbon market specialists. So the blockchain, the, the, the main challenge is, is a very opaque market. There's lack of transparency. There's two things that blockchain does efficiently. One is it allows for the tracking of transactions post-sale. So when you go into, when you go into the registry and you're there or whoever, you issue a carbon credit and somebody buys it, you have to transfer it over to somebody else, right? At that point, you don't really know until it is retired who owns it, how much they bought it for, how long they've held it for, what do they do with carbon credits? So blockchain just trend, you know, inherently built into it because you are, you know, settling and executing uh, those transactions on the blockchain, you're essentially combining the registry with the financial element of it. So therefore, you have every step in that credit's history is tracked and open for everybody to see. So that is the primary reason historically that everyone has said, oh, blockchain is great for this market. And and also because it's, it's publicly auditable, it can't go away. It's highly, uh, it can't be accidentally copy-pasted. Like uh, the fudge factor, as soon as you... As soon as you issue it and you have confidence in the issuance, that, that's not going to, to be destroyed or something like that in the interim. The other piece is that you can attach, is you can enrich the credit. You can take all this information about the credit's history, its origination. Origination just refers to all of the data points that are used to calculate the carbon credit. And you take all the origination data, you can marry it with the monitoring, reporting, verifying data. So this is once your credit's been issued, every five years is, it's kind of ridiculous, but like every five years they have to do an audit. It should be every year, but every every five years they have to go and have an audit. They have to pay a third party to come in and say, yep, everything looks good. You guys are on track and it's all working. So that MRV data, which is every five years, well, we're trying to decrease the time scale, the frequency of those, of those reports. So ideally, MRV becomes more frequent, so it enables people to identify problems more quickly and correct them if need be or back out of projects, etc. So MRV data, so you take the origination, this is how the credit was issued, the data points, the MRV, how it's being monitored and tracked, and you can attach that to the, to the ton, to the subton. So however that ton gets split up, the thousand Uber rides that go into this one ton of carbon, each one of them would have all this data attached to that claim. And then as that credit updates over time, that information would carry with it. So the user, ideally, in an ideal scenario, would be able to come in and say, hey, I want to check on this, you know, whatever. They'd be able to click something. They'd be able to see, oh, great. It's still carbon still being stored. Everything looks good. Great. That's primarily the two biggest use cases behind blockchain is post-transaction and in the future, the enrichment of these of these credits, which is above and beyond what the market can offer now. And then, of course, because you have this technology, you're enabling more liquid markets. Like I mentioned before, this, this pools, the idea that you can you can take all of these credits together and create liquid secondary markets for them because it's digital, because it's brought into that. For big business to reinvest, the image of carbon credits needs an overhaul and they'll need to properly integrate into financial systems. If the carbon market becomes a financial one, it becomes investable and tradable. At the moment, those who are interested face a battle against clunky operating systems and multiple manually processed registries. You'll often hear that the practice is better than doing nothing. And to move forward, we need to avoid perfect becoming the enemy of good. Thanks for listening to The Dispatch from Digital Frontier. To read more of our stories, head to digitalfrontier.com or find and follow us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts.